Friends, today we are dreaming of warmer times when we get to get outside on the homestead again and it be a nice temperature. And while we were doing that, we were thinking the best thing to start talking about this time of year is planning your homestead for the coming growing season. And it can be longer than that, but we're going to dive into the world of permaculture, what permaculture is, and then we're starting a fun series, Lacey and I are excited about it, on the different zones of permaculture. So you can, by uh, the end of winter, you'll have a plan for all the zones on your homestead and how to initiate them. So join us as we dive into this. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, friends. So some of you might know about permaculture and some of you might not. I don't know. I feel like Lacey has a great definition. Go ahead, Lacey. Well, I mean, I think let's start at the beginning. Like, why are we talking about permaculture right now? Yeah. Okay. Because, I've, you know, a lot of people probably are already somewhat familiar. This is going to be kind of a deep dive because we're going to be doing it over the course of several episodes. But I think that the reason it's coming up right now for us is it's the time of year where we really reevaluate our homestead. It's the time where everybody's sort of hunkering back down inside. And it's a really good time to think about the future and what you want your what you got out of your homestead this last year and then evaluate what you want to get next year. What do you want to do differently? Um, and if we measure that against permaculture principles, then we'll set ourselves up for better success. I yeah. Think, right. So sure. anyway, I think it's a good time. If you're familiar with permaculture, hopefully this will re-inspire you to kind of get back to those roots. Um, maybe learn a little bit differently how other people are applying those principles, but also just kind of re-engage the permaculture mentality. And, and then for those of you who haven't um, become familiar with permaculture, we'll start with a definition. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I I feel like in the world of permaculture, it can go so many different ways. It can be like social justice. It can be farming and basically anything in you, between. Yeah, I mean, it's a mentality for yeah. sure. You can apply it to all, right. all aspects. We'll talk about that. That's it, what this episode is about. Yeah, and I, I think to keep it simple, keep it simple, sister. Uh, I think it's um, working with the natural systems versus working against them. So looking at how nature does things and then doing that in a way that um helps us attain the goals that we want so like you know if we're planting an orchard how are we planting an orchard so that nature's working with us mm. versus us working against nature well the the actual definition is permanent agriculture is like where permaculture comes permanent from culture. Right? permanent culture yeah. permanent agriculture permanent culture i feel like it could go either way yeah um but it's about not it's about harnessing the power of a good ecosystem and developing that in a way that benefits everyone involved including us which i think is the human design at its purest is humans interacting with nature in a way that benefits them but also benefits nature and in doing so you're creating this sort of entrenched system that is good for everything and everyone and becomes less work in the end and that really is sort of the appeal for yeah. most people i think of permaculture is this idea that it's not about you know, rowing long hose, hoeing long rows. There we go. Rowing long hose, <laughs> hoeing long rows. I can't say it. Hoeing long rows every spring 
It's not about weeding a ton. It's not about like, that's not what quote unquote agriculture should really look like. Right. It's what we've grown accustomed to, but it's not really, uh, you know, what I think we were designed or put on, put on earth to do. I think there's Uh, this beautiful harmonious design of nature that we tend to try to dominate and mm -hmm. permaculture instead submits a little more and um and then in, and then elevates i would I not think. say submit i would say partners partners so uh, i think it goes with the mindset of we are part of this world we're part of this ecosystem mm. we're part of nature well that requires humility like, i think yeah right? versus like, like dominating it yeah yeah so anyway so yeah I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about. And, yeah. and there's a lot of people who talk about it a lot and we talk about it sometimes. <laughs> right. I um, think our mindset is there and we've done a lot of training around it, but it's just kind of like part of our everyday life. And we use those principles when we're making like decisions on the homestead. When we do consult consults with people, I feel like it's kind of like the first thing is one like, of the major things we yeah, talked about yeah. is looking at, people's properties and how are they they applying the zones of permaculture zones and how can it be better a lot of it is just efficiency you know i I think as homesteaders we tend to scramble or hustle and just be busy a lot and a lot of what we do if we did it right the first time it wouldn't take as much effort and energy and yeah we would you know i mean there's so much energy on earth coming in from the sun constantly coming in from the water that's falling and if we take advantage of that then we don't have to work as hard ourselves, right? <laughs> which right. is the big goal, right? Yeah. And we talk about building a legacy and like wealth, but, um, and which is great, right? We, we want to build wealth, but we also think that wealth is in that kind of a system where it's working for you without the need for input, without the need for, um, weeding, like we talked about without yeah. the need for human interaction necessarily. Anyway, minimal human interaction. And then I guess we always do with every consult we do and then everything else we talk about, it all comes back to your context too. So everything we share is all going to be relative to what you want out of your homestead. Because if you want to scramble, by all means, keep on scrambling, right? Like right. if that's what brings you joy, that's what you should do. You know, like we've, we've tried, tried to talk sense into some people about, okay, we'll just throw this out there. Goats, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, goats are not my favorite. And I try really hard to not tell everybody that goats are oh, the worst animal to have on the homestead. They're not the worst. They're just, you know, I can see a lot of pitfalls with goats that I think are, you know, some people, though, they love goats. And I'm not going to tell that person they shouldn't have goats. If you love goats, like telling somebody they shouldn't have an indoor dog. I'm not going to have an indoor dog. But if you want an indoor dog, you should have an indoor dog, right? Like, it just comes back down to what is your, what is your context? What is your, what brings you meaning? I think goats are, goats are like a, um an advanced livestock like people think they get a homestead i was just talking to somebody mm. our car mechanic she is getting ready to start a homestead and she's like i'm gonna get goats and mini donkeys that's the and first I, place everybody yeah, starts and i really <laughs> feel like goats should be like the last animal once you've mastered all the other livestock <laughs> and figured it out and then managed to it. keep them all in the fence right then you yeah. can test the fence with the final yeah the, the epitome of of animal getter outers yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's so funny. And usually that is. And it was what we wanted. We started right. our homestead. What was the first thing we did? Yeah. We got goats. Before even dogs, we had goats. So before so, so thinking of holistic context, I, I think that that kind of, it stays in the realm of permaculture, but that is like what brings you joy on your homestead. And we talk about this a lot, but um, thinking about that and thinking about 
you know, how can you create systems, which I feel like permaculture is very much about the systems. How can you create systems that create what you want from the homestead? Mm -hmm. And that, that really takes a minute to step back and stop think, stop going a million miles an hour and figure that out. But once you get that, then you create permaculture systems to help you obtain that goal. And it really can apply to all parts of your life. I mean, I wrote down the phrase that it can permeate the other parts of your life. Permaculture permeates. It really does. And um, I liked this, this metaphor of cleaning the house has come into my mind a lot lately when it comes to, you know, a lot of times you get to a point in your house, you see something that's dirty and you just can't stand to not clean it. And so you do. And you spend the day cleaning that. And then you look up and you notice something else that's dirty and you clean that. And then you move on to the next thing. And the next thing It's just this, once you're aware of the, the filth, <laughs> then you kind of move from one spot to the next. You're like, well, I have the broom out. I have the scrub brush out. I have the, you know, right. You usually don't clean just one toilet at, at a time. You go through the house and you clean all the toilets and you just knock it out. And I think when you start thinking with permaculture, it just shifts how you think about everything. Um, because you're thinking, okay, is this serving just one need or is it serving two needs? Is it serving three? And can it go right. even further than that? Um, and it applies even if you don't have a homestead, even if you live in just a house or an apartment without a lawn, without a, you know, a place to tend outside, you still can live in a very permaculture way um, and adopt these principles in your lifestyle. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm really excited to kind of delve into that with all of you. Um, it also shifts our head with from the state. We've talked about this a lot, a state of war. <laughs> you know, we've talked about avoiding words like... Um, I'm at war with the weeds or I got to destroy this crabgrass or, you know, I mean, we just have these phrases, these things that we say uh, that are very violent, really. And, you know, there, there's a time and place, but how can we instead reevaluate and uh, reframe our thinking on those things um, in a way that solves a problem instead of kind of perpetuates it? Because uh, poisoning a weed just means that eventually that weed will come back, right? Right. So um, how can we use that weed to our advantage or how can we um, grow something that will take over that area instead of that weed or outcompete it in, in its own natural way? Um, so it's just a way of thinking about that. And I think we can think about that in relationships too. And, and again, we'll dive a little bit deeper um, into the actual zones as we move through the episodes. But Let's talk about zones really quick, because just as a kind of a, this is sort of like the framework of, on which permaculture is built, um, and it's to kind of delineate the different zones of our life and our homesteads and our um, and our sort of existence, so to speak, um, and recognizing our place in that community. Um, but okay, so let's break down the zones. What are the zones, Drew? Let's go ahead. So, so the. Permaculture zones, they can, they're kind of like if you think about your house being in the, in the middle of these zones, um, and that being zone zero. Mm -hmm. So zone zero is like within your house. Like ground zero. Yeah, ground zero, zone zero. And the idea is that the more that you work in a zone, the closer the zone is to you work or exist or, you know, around those zones so that, um, you're you're using your energy in the best case scenario. You know, like if you're if you have an orchard that you're gonna go to once a month, that's not gonna be right near your house. But your garden, and this is what we see all the time with consults, is 
everybody wants to put their gardens far away or, you know, they have plans for building their garden far away. But really, that should be right up next to your house. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you're walking outside the door. I feel like this is like the best example of zones. That's why I'm going to go down this, this mm-hmm. path. But you, you walk right outside your door and your garden is right outside the door. So you're harvesting and bringing inside your kitchen garden. You know, generally there's a door to your kitchen near the back of the house. I feel like almost all houses are that way, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but um, so you can step outside your door and pick your fresh herbs for from your kitchen garden. You know, mm-hmm. like everything kind of rotates around your house and then you can start building up structures like um, trellises or smaller trees that can shade your house during the summer and not shade it during the winter. And all of that happens, you know, within what, like 30 or 40 feet Mm -hmm. from your house out, you have all of this magic happening. Mm -hmm. And I think where that got lost some is just like the quest to have like a big green grassy yard with nothing in it. Yeah, for sure. That, people i mean it's just a sign of wealth right there that's been passed down from generation to generation even though he has us all leave it living as slaves to our our lawns right right constantly needing to mow or pay someone to mow or whatever but even thinking about it within the context of your house i mean i think a lot of people when they you know remodel their kitchen they're like okay what's going to be the most efficient way for my oven and my sink and my my refrigerator my stove all the old triangle of the kitchen yeah and we think about that when we're talking about our living spaces and we should think about it more. I think, you know, looking at your living room right now is your couch oriented in such a way that it invites you to sit down and be comfortable and read a book or is it facing the TV? So you the first thing you do when you sit down on your couch is reach for the remote, right? What do you want to do with your life and how can you build where you're living to encourage that behavior? Yeah. And so I think for, even from inside the house, right, we can go into that more when we just do the Zone Zero uh, podcast episode. But it's just something to consider. And, and you know, Drew's talking about where, how much, and I think it's less to do with the circumference, like the necessarily how many feet it is outside your door, but how frequently you're going there anyways. So, right. you know, gardening shouldn't be su- superfluous. It shouldn't be something that you do uh, because you, you know, necessarily want to have a garden it should be what we do because we're alive right like in my opinion yeah we should garden because <laughs> I we're garden, alive therefore I exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um so when you reframe that context and you look around your house and i mean there's always room for improvement in my house i now i'm right now thinking about where do i go outside the most and the truth is the most i go outside you know is frequent with the most frequency without pre- being prompted is to the car yeah. right my path to the car is the you know this back patio area and then the parking pad area and that is where i go the most without being prompted and of course we've set up our garden so that i constantly am looking out over it because our windows open up to it but if i was going to be the most efficient with gardening it would be to grow in that area where i'm literally walking past every single day as a matter of habit not as a matter of like oh well i garden so i'm going to the garden right and it's just a matter of thinking about that and and setting up our our success just kind of built in. And it's that whole thought of, you know, water, we can contain it and we can hold it and capture it and let it work for us. Or we can sort of let it do whatever it wants to do. And I think, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, I want this pond over here because it'll be prettiest over here. 
but where will it serve the most purposes? And when you're building it, is it going to serve the most purposes at the bottom of the hill or at the top of the hill? And um, generally, it's at the top of the hill, just a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but we have these ways of thinking that don't serve us. Why at the top of the hill, though? I mean, Drew, maybe you could elaborate for that for on that for us. Um. Well, the... There's a lot of reasons, but the big one is gravity. I mean, you store the most potential energy at mm. the top of a hill. And so gravity for me is is nature's habit. So for us, what are our gravitational pulls? What are our human habits? And how can we use those to make our lives function more towards where we want them to go? I think I see a lot of people living in a kind of a state of chaos and it's because they haven't harnessed or captured that gravitational pull that they naturally are in. And or that they want created a gravitational pull for themselves. Um, and there's so many we've talked about self-development, right? Where there's so many books about habits and, and forming good habits. And um, and it really goes back to what I was saying about cleaning. If you make cleaning habitual, it never gets to that point where you have that layers of filth, right? If you right. you you have this routine of in the olden days, right? It was like Sunday was washing day. Tuesday was I don't know, was vacuuming it? day. Oh, I, know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ma Ingalls had a whole system of like yeah. every day was a different I don't think thing. she was vacuuming. Uh, no, maybe not. Ironing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but whatever the case is, however you build that that system up for yourself is how you're going to see. And it doesn't have to be that massive. I know that when I um, have started making some tweaks to my health, it leads to another tweak and another tweak. And then suddenly you're doing all these really good things for yourself. Um, that become habitual, but we have to make that first initial decision that that's the lifestyle we want to commit to, and then right. and then the rest sort of just domino effects. But um, so I think permaculture saying, is the, the the like ultimate of that. Yeah. So you're saying, like, if you're summing this all up, mm. essentially, it's join us on this journey this as we quest. go as we go through the zones, which I feel like is a great foundation for permaculture. Yeah. Um. Be, and make the decision to work with nature versus fighting against nature. Like, I feel like that's kind of the first step. Like, if you're going to go into the permaculture, if you want to enjoy the abundance that the permaculture lifestyle brings and, like, you know, that kind of symbiotic relationship with nature, then you have to start changing your mindset mm. or getting your mindset in the realm of, like, I'm not dominating nature. I'm partnering partnering with nature. Well, it's also that learning mindset, that one of like, I might not have all the answers, right? right? I might be able to learn something. I might be able to observe and see something better, different in a new way and and then work with it in a new way. And I think there's a lot to learn, not just from what we observe currently, but also, I mean, a lot of permaculture principles and ideas and technologies even are based on things that native indigenous peoples have done for thousands of years when right. it comes to agriculture. And so adopting some of those and saying, yeah, that's real true wisdom right there. And I'm going to use that. Um, I think is a beautiful thing. And it's a way to kind of pay homage to the idea that there are people out there who did things simpler and more effectively than we are doing it conventionally now. Right. Um, and I think the other idea of, of permaculture really assumes this position as a member of community. And I mean, community is one of our top two things. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's this idea of being in commune with others and thinking about that. And, you know, we talk about that, right? Like we have to have community as homesteaders, as people, as individuals, we have to have that and we will not survive alone. Even though 
I, w- I feel like survival and self-sufficiency and independence and all of those things are the the like framework of which most people jump into homesteading. It really you have to stay take a step back and and find that community and commune with those other people. And then commune with nature, obviously, you know, like that's what we're, our goal is, whether you're getting goats or you're starting a garden, that all is nature and understanding our, our role in stewardship on all of those, with all of those things. What can we do for them and how can they serve us? What can they teach us? And then commune with oneself, I think is also important when you're yeah. thinking about permaculture. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, that that thought came to my head and then I was like, Oh, we need to explore that a little more. Cause I'm not even sure what does commune with oneself mean? <laughs> well, I think it's like meditation or, you know, using maybe not you. I don't even like the word using, but being in nature <laughs> and allowing it to like influence you mm-hmm. and just being, you know, for me, a lot of times it's something like just noticing the cows or stopping to pet the cows, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, on to the next task or you right. know just um being being aware and being present in the moment outside mm-hmm. you know when you're in nature or even inside but or even in the task at hand and know drew and i were out rolling out hay the other day and it feels like a ridiculous thing to do like to hand roll out hay <laughs> when you think about it in yeah. terms of like farming activities and i mean i we're rolling out a bale and i was like you know we've We've been doing this a lot together recently. (laughs) I think we've rolled out six bales in the last two weeks together. And it's just a weird thing to be doing together. But then he he was like, well, this is what we wanted. (laughs) (laughs) This is the dream. This is the We're living the dream. And it, you know, it felt like a joke at first, but then it was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is really what we wanted to do. (laughs) And it's enjoyable. What I know about us is if we didn't want to do it, we wouldn't be doing doing it. it. That's true. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, so I, I think that having those moments and recognizing, like, it's not about, you know, how much milk you get. It's about the process of milking. It's not about how much meat you get. It's about the process of raising an animal and being a part of that. That And it's hard to not want to measure the way that we have been raised to measure, which is in results. Right. <laughs> um, but if we start measuring by the moments and by the the presence that we i think that's such a huge yeah huge and beautiful thing well and, and it just makes me think too when we were rolling out the hedge like we were both laughing at each other like when people are like why is grass-fed beef so expensive because <laughs> it's like if you haven't rolled out a hay bale they started about a thousand pounds and it's like a big round like you've seen them out in the field mm-hmm. and um it takes a little bit to get it going and then you know you have cows behind you that want to play with the hay bale and it's like, I mean, it's... It's, it's intimidating. Yeah. And also then you have Drew who's got some asthma issues when it comes to <laughs> right. hay. And all I'm like inhaling all this hay dust. And I'm like, Drew, get out of the way. Get away from the hay belt. I feel like I'm getting better at it. I know when to step back. To not breathe. But yeah. You just have to hold your breath while you do it. <laughs> if there was an activity where a person should wear a mask, it's when Drew is rolling out hay, he should wear a mask. But I know. he does not. So I do. I have once out of the six out of the six. <laughs> <One bales. time. laughs> Anyway, it also makes it hard to breathe. So I'm not <laughs> right. sure which is better. Um, anyway, but it also reminds me this commune with oneself reminds me of taking that step back and being remembering what the point of it is, right? What is your holistic context? Why do you want to do this? What is it serving for you as a 
as a part of this community. And maybe it's not. And I think being okay with elimination is really a huge part of understanding yourself and yeah. understanding, you know, where you draw lines and, um, and why, you know, I think that's really important. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day because somebody was like, I want to come do a homestead tour with you. And, um, we're at like the least amount of animals we've had on the homestead. Which is, not to mention the dead of winter, so there's like nothing. I know, but it's just so funny to think about last winter. Mm. So last winter we had cows, pigs, sheep, chickens. Mm. And this winter we have three cows and ten chickens. And yeah. that's it. You know, so it's like there's it's fine. Like you don't have to have all the animals all the time. In fact, yeah. I encourage you not to. And when you're worn out, sell the animals or butcher yeah. the animals and yeah. just enjoy the time it it was hard to get rid of the sheep, but it was the best thing. Like this winter is I are, already. I already am. I have some thoughts about getting more <laughs> sheep, but I'm not telling Drew yet. Yeah, anyway. that's fine. <laughs> well, ne- next episode will be how to drive a livestock trailer, wife edition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could fit a couple of sheep in the back of Ricky. Anyway, um, I will say too though that. You, one of the things that we've learned is that what livestock do we even want? You know, we've had these sheep for all these years, and now I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend a lot of money, and I'm going to get the sheep I want, right? Like like this baby doll sheep? Is that what you're going <laughs> to No, get? maybe not, but um, within reason. Um, but anyway, I mean, and I think it's okay to, like, grow, too. And what was good for us 10 years ago is not what's good for us anymore. Right, yeah. And, um, and that's a normal part of life too, is changing. I think that's a I, normal part of nature. The ebb I, oh and the my flow. Gosh. Isn't it interesting to yeah. think about like how a forest develops or how a grassland turns into a forest or a pond turns into a swampland? Like you were talking about the other day, you know, it's just like we get so set in our ways and think, well, I am this, right? And we learn to identify right. as any one specific thing. And um, what if we are growing, changing? a being that's similar to nature and it's all just one big representation. Like, Ooh, there's a lot of freedom in that, that I think we all deserve. I don't know. Anyway, but that brings me to the last commune, which is commune with the divine. And I think, you know, we can take step steps back and be present in the moment. And I think then we also have to take these massive steps back, little and massive tiny ones, I think are sometimes even more valuable than the massive ones. Um, to be gra- grateful, to have gratitude, to to see that we get to be a part of something much bigger than us, and that creation is this constant, magnificent thing that is happening around us. And if we don't take a minute to like recognize the value of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, or uh, if you let a patch of grass grow, there's wildflowers there. You know, I mean, there's yeah. like all these little things happening around us all the time. And being grateful, I think, is the most direct connection to the divine. We were talking about the other day, though, um, as humans and as as Jewish individuals, one of the things that the Jewish faith takes very seriously is participating in in service and um, taking care of things, tikkun alam, making the world a better place. And um, and it was interesting that that's like just it's like written in the faith, like you that's sort of a, a requirement, right? Yeah. Um, and I, we were talking about what does that even look like? And I, the one thing that came to my mind is that, you know, as if being created in the image of a creator means you want to create and the right. the best and, and ultimate form of giving or creating is giving and serving. And isn't that what the creator did, right? Gave life and serves us built a, an ecosystem that we live in perfectly that has everything that we need in it. 
And how do we do that and develop that and, and do that for others as well? So anyway, com- communing with the divine, I think, is the fourth commune. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, but anyway, this episode has gotten longer. I thought we were just going to do a quick intro from culture, but yeah. um, I'm just excited about the next episodes to come. We'll start with Zone Zero and we'll work all the way out through, I don't know, Zone three four seven oh gosh yeah i don't know we might have to lump some together but join us as we go if you have ideas and comments on the zones on permaculture feel free to tag us on social media or shoot us an email at lacy at the schoolhouselife.com and uh let us know your thoughts thanks for listening